Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 70 and I am Brooke McCallery. How are you, Ben McCallery? Well, thank you. Good. We kept our introduction relatively normal today, which is good. Yeah, well, we're going to change it up. Mm. Keep everyone on their toes. Some more word association coming at you soon. <laughs> that was fun. It was fun. We were very jet-lagged. So today I uh, am really happy to share this conversation actually it's with Belle Masterman who is the only guest so far who's come back for a third time this is the trifecta of interviews with Belle it is it's um Belle cubed why did <laughs> why did you decide to speak to Belle again oh because she's a top person other than that <laughs> she and her family are going through some uh, big changes and big decisions um that they've kind of arrived at after quite a long period of time. And they're really in keeping with living according to their why and their values. And it's just been really interesting to me to see that unfold over the past kind of 12 months or so. And I really wanted to dig into that a bit with her because uh, as I mentioned, when I spoke with Morgan back in Canada, I, I get really inspired when I hear people making these big life changes, you know, moving house, like moving, changing jobs, anything like that, because they are, they are huge decisions. And when people make them so that they're living much more closely to their values, it, I just find it really inspiring because so many people don't or so many people are hesitant. And I mean, we've been hesitant in the past to make big life changes uh, because it's scary, you know. So when when I was talking to Belle about it over the past few months, I thought that it would be a really cool thing to kind of dig into a bit. And you, you certainly do dig into that. As we well. we yeah. do, yeah. Um, but we also, you know, get off track and talk about Star Wars. Absolutely, <laughs> Star Wars and rude people that are whippersnippering <laughs> in the who backyard. Would, who would do that? Who I would know. do garden work outside a podcast studio? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's something that a a producer would never do. Nope. He would be much, he or she would be much more... Aware? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's a really considerate nice... Considerate yeah, is probably well, the word that I was thinking about. It's a really nice conversation. Uh, Lovely and conversation. I, I think you're both uh, very relaxed mm-hmm. during it. And it is a little bit like you're spying in on a... Kind of eaves, private, eavesdropping. Eaves, eavesdropping on a private conversation, which is quite nice, and I think everyone will enjoy it. Yeah, I hope so. I think uh, you know, Belle's incredibly well read, like so well read that I always feel like, inferior yes. <laughs> to her, and she's always got these amazing, just these little nuggets of insight, dropping the nugs. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that no- dropping the knowledge nugs. Knowledge nugs with Bell Masterman. There's a podcast for you. Knowledge nugs. Wow, but she does. She's yeah. she's always got these amazing insights that she gleans from the books that she reads and has read. Uh, and I'm always kind of challenged, I think, to think slightly broader after I talk to Bell. And I hope I hope you guys feel the same way, but she's one of my favourite people. She's just such a a delightful gem. And that's why she's been on the show three times now and she will be back for more, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. 
That being said, if you guys have suggestions of guests, I'm keeping a, a running list of people who both you and I would love to have on the show. A lot of the time it's down to scheduling and commitments and things like that. But please let me know. Leave a comment at slowyourhome.com slash 70 and, uh, you know, drop a list of names that you'd like to hear from. And, uh, you know, or you can reach out on Facebook or, or Twitter and let me know similarly. But it's always nice to hear who you guys want to hear from because I think over time, you know, like the movement of slow living and simplifying shifts and new books come out and new, you know, ways of thinking come to the fore. So I think it's always kind of cool to keep keep in touch with who you want to hear from, not just who I want to talk to. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoy the show. Do we have any sponsors for this? No, we don't. Nope. No partners. No partners. We're just lonely. Us. So lonely. Enjoy the podcast. Enjoy the podcast. Sibel Masterman. Knowledge Nugs. Hello, lovely lady. How are you? I'm so well. How are you? I'm good. How was Canada? Uh, it was really, really, really good. <laughs> I have to say, I was desperately trying not to have FOMO, but I did. <laughs> I was like, it was really funny because we're doing all these big shifts at home and so I was doing in this sort of, I feel like I'm in this kind of consolidation phase of my life, so I've been following your guide and doing some serious decluttering, you'd be very, very <laughs> impressed. And then I was sort of even scanning documents in and I feel like mm. this is a big consolidation going on. And there I was dutifully scanning my documents, looking at your photos on Instagram going, <laughs> I'm really happy for Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was lovely, but I'm very glad you had a good time. We did. It looked amazing. No, it was it was phenomenal. Actually, they, they've had such a, a mild winter over in Alberta, uh, which I, was mostly fantastic. We were kind of worried that the snow wouldn't be any good, but it was particularly at sunshine, it was phenomenal still. You know, we were snowboarding in T-shirts. Um, mm. Wow. It was that so warm. Cool. It was like soft and delicious snow. And uh, then in the valley, it was like summer. We went, we went, the, the beautiful thing was normally that time of year, you can't hike in many places because there's still a lot of snow around, but it had basically all melted. So we either skied or snowboarded or hiked um, virtually every day. Uh, so we got to see a side of, of the area that we just had never seen before because we've always been there in the dead of winter. Wow. It was so beautiful. So oh, beautiful. Your, your photos looked amazing, really. I mean, and I was, <laughs> look, I was like going, I'm not jealous. I'm using this as inspiration. This is why I'm decluttering and doing all this scanning of dutiful scanning of documents so that I can go off and do these adventures. So, yes, thank you for the inspiration, <laughs> even though I had to go talk my way through the. <laughs> you the unpacked it. You processed it. It was I fine. It. You, you felt the feelings and then you moved through them. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but, you yeah, know, it's been good. I'm very sort of in the midst of, you know, we'll, 
I think when we spoke last time, I talked about, you know, how we tried to create a country life in the inner city. city. Yeah. Which has been a really, really fun, fun project. You know, we had our chickens and the veggie garden and, you know, we were able to walk a lot of places and be outdoors a lot and, you know, I tried to sort of create a lot of the elements that I really loved in, in that sort of I, idyllic <laughs> um, country lifestyle in the city and then I think it just sort of dawned on us that we were like, well, it's going so well and the boys, our two boys, you know, two and six just love vegetable gardening and and doing all that and we love the chickens and, you know, having the ladies in the garden, you know, clucking around and having to, you know, when they're cheeky and they lay their eggs in the wrong places supposedly <laughs> you know and have to hunt them down it's like um, an easter egg hunt every day <laughs> it was like it was so good me very cheeky and but we just we kind of just then also because i'm now working mostly online and, and gordon um he can now work three days a week and do um the other two days remotely uh it sort of became really apparent that we were like oh can we do it? Can we move to the edge of Sydney and to actually expand the vegetable empire? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that Gordon can, you know, fuss over his tomato plants and the two, the, our boys can join him doing that and I can, I don't know what I do. I kind of rampage around with the chickens really. And you lay your eggs in the garden. Yes. And- well, it's just so funny because Gordon's really lovely and meticulous with vegetable gardening, which you kind of have to be, whereas I'm a more of a, oh, look, there's an old sweet potato that's sprouting. I'll throw it in the garden and see what happens and then I'll be weeding a couple of months later and go, oh, man, look, there's sweet potatoes here. Would you look at that? Um, so, yeah, I think I think there's benefit in having the two types of gardener in the one garden. Oh, absolutely. I think it's, it's actually, I think that's actually a really good balance to have. Um, otherwise you can get really uptight about doing things at the right time and, you know, and, and sometimes there's just joy in going, well, let's just see what happens. But it was really, yeah, I think it's really interesting because, you know, like after we did those workshops and your amazing exercise on, you know, thinking about finding our why mm. Legacy, uh, you know, using writing your obituary or writing your leg- legacy as um, a way of finding your why, and it's been really, really powerful because I just went, mm, "What is it? Like, what is?" And it became really apparent for our whole family that we really like food production, kind of that slow home I food production stuff, and that's the sort of thing that we really love to do um i love making things and gordon loves brewing beer and growing things and you know the boys sort of want to do the vegetable things and and stuff as well so it just we realize that we can cut a lot of our expenses by moving out of the city um it's such an exciting move like i i always get inspired when i speak to people who have tapped into their why or their values and then made a huge change 
to live more in alignment with those. Like we were talking about it before I hit record and it's kind of over time you come to this sharpened vision of what it is that you really appreciate and value. And I think that um, like we're, Ben and I are in a very similar situation at the moment where life is really good. It's great, but it's it's just this sharpening and kind of zeroing in more on what it is that we value and what changes we can make in order to, to live more accordingly. Um, and I just, I'm always inspired when I hear people who are making those big decisions and those, those like, they're not, like, they're, they're gutsy. You know, it's not something that a lot of people do because it, it feels, you know, risky is the wrong word. It just, it feels uncomfortable. Um, but. Yeah, but I think, I mean, when you look at it, when you do your thing of um, finding your why, then I really feel like it just starts to make sense. Like the choice is becomes a lot more natural and the process just starts to make sense. And the bigger decisions, exactly as you talk about, it seemed to become a lot easier and a lot sharper. You know, I just, when you were talking then, I just had that image of, you know, like a sculptor with a piece of marble mm-hmm. and you're slow. I feel like I'm slowly just chipping away the shape and then I slowly, as I chip away, the, the, the image of the face becomes clearer and, you know, and I've, it'll be a lifetime's work to kind of get that, you know, but that Yeah, that's a, that's a really nice analogy actually because I think, um, and I'm guilty of this as well, people will look at their life now and they look at this kind of idealised version of what they want life to look like and there's a huge disconnect there. They're like I can't see a path from where I am now to where I want to be and I think we, we just naturally want to know the answer before we get there. We want to know which steps to take before we have to take them. And it takes the uncertainty out of it. But what I'm discovering is that that doesn't happen. Like you, you might, you might be fortunate enough to see two steps in front, but generally you can kind of, you know, take some time and work out what it is you want to do and what, what your options are. And then just take the the first step, like, you know, make the first cut in the marble and, then the next one becomes more apparent and then the next one, the next one, the next one. It's it's kind of partly learning how to be okay with uncertainty, I think, and um, like discomfort but not in a negative kind of way. It's uncomfortable to be out of your comfort zone. Um, it's just funny, actually, talking about the discomfort's really interesting because I think often we get stuck in ruts um, or sort of inability to move or equally move too quickly mm-hmm. when we're trying to smother a discomfort. And I find because I'm equally guilty of cutting and running yep. as also of getting stuck in a rut. I mean, less likely to get stuck in a rut. So for me, doing this process slowly is, like you say, quite uncomfortable at times. But I also feel I'm doing it honestly, like I'm doing it um, as well as I can at this given moment and I feel like I can, I'm trying to face it yeah. and do it as honestly as possible. How much does your gut feeling come into it? Because that's a huge thing for Ben and I. Like we've had big decisions to make before and those decisions, they felt laboured, you know, and we were mm. going around and around in circles and we were never getting anywhere and we were kind of really 
just going back and forward and, and making lists of pros and cons and getting confused. And we always, when we get to that point and we recognize it, we say, well, now is not the time to make this decision. And usually with time, it might not be a lot of time, but time or further conversation or further thought or, you know, soul searching, you come to a point where then you can make that decision and it feels easy. So, and that to me is nothing more than a gut feeling. And we've, that's how we've made lots of decisions. That's how we made the decision to move to the mountains from the city, um, you know, eight years ago. Um, that's how we've made, we made the decision to go to Canada recently. We were umming and ahhing over it and we just left it for a while and then came back to it. But do you think it, that gut feeling kind of comes from experience as well? Like I loved in Malcolm Gladwell's book, um, Blink, I think it is, and he looks at um, intuition mm-hmm. and gut reactions and how they can actually be incredibly accurate but sometimes they can be a bit misguided. And so he broke it down into times when those um, gut responses um, worked well for people and when they didn't work well for people. And what was interesting is that a lot of the time when it worked really well, what was actually happening was that it's an experience, like it's actually the way our brain works is that we layer information and we layer information on top of each other, on top of itself again and again and again. And then when when the, the pieces of the puzzle in our brain of the pattern that we are familiar with and we've seen in the past happen before, that's when our intuition can speak and that's when the gut can respond because we we realise and I've often been pondering because he talks it in a far more academic sense, like going back to the marble idea, he opens the book with um, some, um, I think it's a Greek, ancient Greek sculpture and basically all these ancient historians all looked at the sculpture and went, no, it's wrong. There's something wrong about it. And it was literally a gut reaction. They looked at it and they went, there's something wrong. It, and they all described physical, different physical responses. So some felt sick. Some had this sort of um, like the hackles went up in the back of the neck. Some just, um, just couldn't place it in their brain. Um, and they all said, no, there's, there's something wrong with it. But they had this sort of fancy spectrograph or whatever it was, the latest technology at the time, was proving it to be of the right limestone and all this. So all the technical stuff was saying this is original and true, but all these art historians were going, no, no, it's not. There's something wrong with it. And sure enough, it was a fake, but Mm. what they'd done was they'd used the limestone that a lot of these old ancient sculptures had been made from. So it was a really good fake, if that makes sense. But the art, they, he was sort of saying that these art historians had exposed themselves over time to um, all these, all this knowledge that they sort of laid on top of each other, and then they were able to have a gut reaction. And I kind of, and part of me, I've been wrestling this, and I think part of me thinks that we do the same with our lives, but we have to learn our own language of what a fraud looks like and what a fake Mm. sculpture looks like because somehow we have to be honest I'm just talking off the top of my head I haven't finalized this thought in any way shape or form but I kind of think the way we do it is from our own experience and and you know being appreciative of how we react to things and what brings us joy and what you know um 
fulfills us and satisfies us, we can layer that on. And if we choose to observe it in, in a way, just allow the observations to happen rather than kind of panicking and, and forcing, uh, forcing it to fit, you know, and trusting other people's points of view and stuff like that rather than our own. I kind of wonder, you know, like we are the experts in our own lives. And I think we are like the art historians. We are the one that we are the ones that have seen our lives um, you know, thousands and thousands of times over. So that we get a familiar feeling and we go, okay, maybe that's something I need to pay attention to. And I just you know, what do you think? Like, because this is just something I'm wrestling with. I think, like, do you find that? Do you get that sort of thing of slowly over time as the confidence gets you built, like if you allow it to happen or? Well, exactly, you know, and and so I think it's like a matter of having lived through those those moments of doubt or feeling like it's not the right time and paying attention to that and then a, you know, when faced with a similar kind of feeling, understanding that just to, to live in the uncertainty right now and maybe put the decision off for a day or a week or a month or whatever, it's not exactly the right time. And you're right, that is absolutely based on experience rather than some kind of completely unfounded gut feeling. But I think for me, it's like a a tightness in my chest that I feel mm. when it, when it's not the right time to make that those kind of big decisions and you just sit with that for a while and take the pressure off and I think it's so often when we take the pressure off ourselves particularly when you're looking at these big decisions these huge changes you know to be living a more values values based life they're not decisions that you want to make when you're feeling pressured um, you know, in an ideal world. So I think you're right. Like I, I do see that. But it does, it goes back to what we were talking about before because I love what you said about the, you know, having to sort of be aware of that discomfort of the tightness in your chest and go and acknowledge it and actually have to sit with it. Mm. Whereas my natural, well, my old habit was to run and I'd just go, I feel uncomfortable. I just want to get out of here um, because, I, you know, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Whereas I... I think with allowing myself a little bit more space around that and just sitting with the discomfort a bit more, then I, I feel like I can actually see the the shape come out better. It's really interesting how decisions get made. Like for for part of <laughs> it's really funny talking about this because I wrestle with um you know, I love science and I also love woo-woo stuff <laughs> as well. And I think it's really interesting trying to find for my brain to find the right fit for me um, of the relationship between the two. And I had part of the desire to move um, came about because we had this magpie in the tree and it had its the family had its nest so the mum and dad bird had its nest and we were like oh isn't it cute isn't it lovely watching them you know build their nest and lovely and then of course October comes around and of course they start dive bombing us <laughs> which wasn't so cute not so lovely and I spent, there was this one ridiculous day where um, I was out with my two year old and we were up to the point where we had to have umbrellas outside oh, but wow. we you know because we we're going down to the chickens and I was like oh we had hats on but I didn't take an umbrella. 
And, <laughs> and this magpie dive bombed because they particularly seem to go for the kids because they're little. And so he dived my, bombed my two-year-old and got him under the eye. And I was furious. I'm like, this nature stuff is ridiculous. Rah, rah, rah. And I had this sort of full tiger mama moment. Like, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to chop that tree down. Rah, you know. And it was hilarious because I was like, rah. And then there was this um, couple of weeks later, I sort of obviously settled down. I calmed down and realised, you know, that the magpie is entitled to do their thing and we just have to find, you know, I could, it, I, but the tiger thing was hysterical. But anyway, and a couple of weeks later, this, the same nest and the birds were coming, out, the baby birds had come out and they were feeding them and so we were watching them and that was really cute and, um, and lovely. And then they were learning to fly. And it was beautiful to watch because, you know, they're sort of clumsy and the, the mama bird and the dada bird's around sort of teaching them how to fly and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, I was still a little bit resentful, I have to say, towards the four magpie family. Posting these magpies under your breath. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, now I hope it's all very lovely nature, guys, but, you know, like I'm hoping you move find a different nest next year kind of thing. And then um, the baby bird had, there was some string in the nest and its foot got caught in the nest Mm -hmm. and it was trying to fly and it couldn't. And because this tree was so high up, it was like a, it's like a big pine tree, but because it sort of lines up with our deck, it's hard to explain, but it's um, on a lower level and the pine tree comes up and this nest was a level with our deck. And so we could see it really well, but the tree is extremely tall and skinny. And so I called Wires, the um, animal rescue place in Australia, and asked them. And they said they came out and assessed it and they were like, oh, we can't do it, maybe the fire brigade can. So then the fire brigade came out and they couldn't do it. Um, and so this poor baby bird is dying Mm. and I was like at this point going who do I know that's got a gun I need someone with a gun because this has got to put it out of its misery this is terrible but of course you know you can't do that so anyway the bird died and um you know the, the parents then moved on and but it was just such a powerful image in my brain this idea of a bird tied to its nest mm. and not being able to fly. And this this metaphor just played over and over and over in my head. I mean, I found it quite traumatic, the whole thing. Um, but it was really interesting the effect that it had because I sort of, having grown up in um, a situation where my mom was very much into using psychics and I found that didn't really work for me. So I get slightly uncomfortable about using these symbols as a way of making a decision. But it was really funny because I was chatting to another friend of mine and she, I was describing it to her and I said, I've just now, I just feel like I need to move and I feel like it's a result of this bird being tied to a nest. And she said, but it's not, it's just, that, that just happened, but because you're feeling that way, 
is the thing that's relevant. It's not that the thing happened. It's the how you how it makes you feel that's relevant. And I went, oh, my God, that mm. is so true. Like it's, oh, wow. Like it was just a bit of an epiphany moment where it's it's really interesting. Like symbols can be really useful um, in these times. And, you but know, not whether, in and of themselves, but. Well, that could what? be for some people. Like if that's your belief system, that's awesome. Like that, you know, and I I would love to be. Um, to have that kind of faith, but I, it's just not in my makeup. It's mm. just not the way my brain works anymore. But I just found that combination of what she was talking about in terms of using these symbols um, and noticing how it was making me feel and then how it was making me feel was the bit that was relevant. And that's I just right. went, oh, wow. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the that that's sort of what I was getting at. Like it what it wasn't the bird itself. It was the mm-hmm. like what it brought out in you, which was already yeah. there. You know, yeah. that's yeah, that's really really interesting. I mean, and like I guess this is kind of an obvious thing for me to say, but the idea of being tied to our nest as well is really kind of interesting to me because I think I I know a lot of people who are tied to their nest and. Uh, you know, and to the contents of their nest, and it means that they they're weighed down. You know, um, and I'm not sort of saying that they're going to die because of it, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like it's just it's a very I'm, I'm very sorry to everyone listening about the morbid morbid image, but it was just such a powerful one. Yeah, um, but I yeah, just, you know, think, can, yeah, no, no, I can I can just to me it's just a like a further metaphor, I guess, of of how. Um, of how we can tie ourselves to our home and our stuff and, you know, the weight that that, that kind of puts on us and the, the pressure that that puts on us. And it's just really interesting that your your response to that was, I think we need to move and kind of free ourselves <laughs> from this nest, uh, yes. which is really, I don't know, it's just interesting. So but it was so interesting that my friend, at first she was so wise to realise that it was speaking to something in me. Yes. And it was making me feel very uncomfortable. Mm. Um, and I just went, wow, that's so true. It's not, it's not necessarily that this happened because it could happen to someone else, but they might have a completely different response to it. Like, you know, maybe, yeah. you know maybe someone else would have, a, you know, a, a diff- I can't even get, guess what someone else might have, see in it, but they might perceive it in a completely different way. I mean, I guess it's like, you know, when – Authors often talk about that when they're surprised how what interpretations readers make of their book. Yeah, and it's almost um, because it's a book can be written, but it's when it's read that it's really un, under it's processed. But everyone's going to read it differently. Yes, and that's, that's right. It's sort of it's that. not it's not like a. Um, transportation of of meaning to someone else's brain it's like once it's out there and absorbed by someone else then that's when it becomes whatever it is you know um to that particular person and that's completely accurate for them yes yeah exactly exactly that's Mm. i mean that's really interesting so um but it's funny i mean look there, there is obviously a part of me that um would feel uncomfortable basing such a large decision on a bird um, incident. So which is why I'm so grateful for my friend to say it's your feeling that you're identifying and that's when I went, yes, and then I had to sit with that for quite a few months um, and to obviously talk about it with 
you know, Gordon and the boys and what we wanted and we sat down and we pretty much all did your sort of thing of, okay, what is our why? You know, mm-hmm. what's our communal why? Because like, it's all very well for me to have yes. a why. But um, what um, what's Gordon's why? And, you know, it's a bit funny for children because you kind of almost have to do it a little bit, especially for a two-year-old. <laughs> you, you can't really, you know, what's your why? Well, <laughs> Superman. Exactly, Superman. <laughs> um, but, yeah, look, and, but just genuinely looking at, what their passions are, even though they are little, I mm-hmm. kind of think I don't want to be dismissive of what their passions are. And I think, well, this is a really, it just happens that their passions that are revealing themselves now seem to be quite similar to what Gordon and my interests and passions are, which is traveling. You know, they love adventuring and they love building things and they love growing things. So that will, you know, the move move to the edge of the city, the edge of Sydney to an old orchard just seems to be a good fit. Right well, it now. just aligns really beautifully with what you guys want, you know, and like we were saying at the beginning, um, it's it's that sharpening over time, isn't it? It's not like what you had decided five years ago or last year was wrong. It's just this slow excavation, I guess, and, you know, the the gradual sharpening of what it is that – we're after and that what it is that that we're going to be able to look back on in 50 years time and say I'm you know I I lived my life in alignment with what was important and again that's one of those things that looks different to everybody that's why I don't think there is one definition of you know a meaningful life at all I, I think it would be impossible and harmful to try and kind of suggest that there was because it's about living a life that's meaningful to you and that does shift over time and sharpen and, and pivot. And I think that's what I find so exciting about listening to stories like that, about you guys sitting down and, and asking yourselves, what is it we value and how can we continue to move towards that? Because just so many people don't for a whole host of reasons. Um, and I think, I think it's really inspiring. Oh, well, I have to say you are a big inspiration in that, so thank you. <laughs> but I just think it's, it is interesting um, how, like, you talk of, like the hearing you talk about how it changes and things like that. When I originally made the decision to have a country life in the city because I very much enjoy, I do still very much enjoy living in the city um, and I will always, you know, there's a part of me that I think will always love being in big cities. I do, I get a real kick out of it. But I can also do that through traveling like I can Mm -hmm. spend time in big cities whilst traveling I love just walking randomly through big cities and I can get that kind of thing in big cities but also we're not moving that far away no you're not hours and hours away from a a city um but yeah you're right exactly the way you said it was that at the time making the decision to have a country life in the city was exactly the right thing for us then and now it seems to be shifting and we're not exactly sure what the shape of it's going to be and it's really exciting um but also a bit scary and all of that it's interesting that you just said it's exciting even though you said earlier like it used to be my pattern to feel that discomfort and just run whereas now it sounds like you're much more at ease with not exactly knowing what that's going to look like 
Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I was having a great discussion with Gordon the other day because we watched that movie Everest. Have you seen it? I haven't, no. Okay. It's, you know, it's about that party in 1994. They had too many people climbing Mount Everest and it was just really dangerous. This huge storm came in and just so many people died up on the mountain. Mm. And the story focused on this the main guy who was elite, you know, the, the, the I wanted to say pack leader. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oops. Um, yeah, the, the tour leader, I guess, the tour guide. And, but also this guy who had, oh, I'm going to, I don't want to do a spoiler alert though. I might have to um, think about this. But anyway, I guess if I talk about it in a general sense, there. I think what's really interesting about the film is it looks, it sort of is a little bit dismissive of the hero's journey that I was talking about before um, we actually recorded this podcast, which is Joseph Campbell, who studied myths, put together. Um, the, he researched across all religions and across all cultures, not all, but as many as he possibly could across, you know, thousands and thousands of tribes and cultures and basically pulled in the similarities between a lot of the myths and stories that these different cultures told um, each other. And there was a lot of similarities and he created this, he wrote this book called The Hero's Journey, which um, George Lucas then used to write star wars and it's now used as a bit of a sort of uh, writer's guide or screenwriter's guide to writing a good story arc and goodness where was i going with this um (laughs) everest (laughs) everest thank you thank you oh my goodness that's so funny i'm obviously on holiday mode still um but yeah basically what i found really interesting about you know the hero's journey sort of has this at its core this fantasy of you know this single hero rising out of the you know up by its, his bootstraps all alone and doing it by himself and saving the world kind of thing and what it doesn't acknowledge is that actually to do that you need a community and mm. you need a lot of support and you need a lot of help no one does it alone like it's just it's a fallacy to think that anyone does any of these great leaps alone. Um, you know, maybe parts of it is done, are done alone, but ultimately there's a huge history of support behind all this stuff. And so I think that the, the interesting thing that we seem to like to hear about this hero's journey, but it's, I don't think it's entirely true um, because we need, it's not acknowledging the support and the community that we need. But the interesting thing with Everest is it is almost a reversal of the hero's journey and it's almost um, looking at how if we get too um, obsessed with an outcome, we can put a lot of people in danger mm. and we can risk people's lives. We can, we can get too fixated on the the horizon that we're not looking at the steps in front of us you know and say and the discomfort of the discomfort of potentially failing being far greater in our minds than actually the reality that's right in front of us that the risk that's right in front of us is you know like and we ignore that risk that's in front of us because we're thinking 
I want that. Which is you really, know, the, it's, it's the opposite of living presently, isn't it? When you're focused mm-hmm. too far into the future and you're, you're kind of, you've got your eyes set on this destination, which you don't know what that's actually going to look like, but you've conjured this image in your mind. And I think that's, a, that's something that I struggle with still, you know, it's. Oh, yes, I do too. Completely. Um, yeah. You know, when we, Ben and I have got all these changes and all these these plans that we want to that we want to kind of slowly grow into into you know a life that's more even more aligned with how we want to live and i find myself and the times that i feel listless i look back and i realize i've been focusing way too much on the outcome rather than focusing on what's happening now and what changes can i make now and what can i do now and you know being much more present i think that's really interesting that that you've said you know basically based on this this movie Everest like if you're focused too much and too intently on a particular outcome you can make kind of poor choices in the in the moment trying to get to that point and I think that's that's really interesting but it goes back to that point that you were talking about discomfort and being able to sit with the discomfort of the present you know sit in the present mm. whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable and just allow it to unfold and then allowing it to move forward. It's a really tricky one. It's really hard making decisions, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it is. It is. But when I feel like decisions are too hard to make, I feel Mm. like that's not the right time for me to make them. And then when, I mean, look, there are times where you have to make horrible, difficult decisions and you have to make them right now. But, uh, you know, generally speaking, if a decision feels so hard, then it needs time. Um, yeah. you know, and it's a privilege to, to have that time sometimes. Um, but that's kind of the way I, I am learning to deal with it. It's funny with this, all of this work that I've done to slow down and simplify, I guess my, <laughs> in my head, I thought that I would be much more at peace and much more, uh, and I am at peace, much, much more comfortable, I think is a better way of putting it. But what it, I've actually realized is that I feel more discomfort now because I actually allow myself to feel the feelings and sit with those feelings. Whereas before I used to do a lot to distract myself from how I felt and what I was going through and what, you know, emotions were being brought out and what things I hadn't processed. And I would continue to distract distract myself. And now that I'm kind of living more presently, I actually feel discomfort more often, but it's because I'm fully present so on the yeah. flip side of that, I also feel complete joy more often. You know that like that stomach lifting, face splitting smile kind of joy that you get if you're driving on a beautiful sunny day and there's music playing and you've got the windows down, like that kind of feeling. I feel that more too. So, But I just think yeah. I feel things more deeply. I find also, I think you've just expressed it beautifully and I just think I find also that Feelings split through me more. I'm just a lot mm-hmm. more upfront. I just kind of allow things things come in, things go out um, in a way that I never used to allow, um, which I find really interesting because like exactly like you said, I thought I'd feel more at peace <laughs> and I do. In, yeah. in many ways I do feel more contented but there is, there's still emotions that run through and flicker in and flicker out and they just, they're sort of just a part of it whereas I think what I used to do is just squish them. Yes. And then they'd come out in funny shapes. 
Exactly. I don't know if you can hear that, but it's, I think it's either Ben or my neighbour who's doing a damn fine job of whippersnippering just outside our window. So I apologise for that, dear friends. Um, it's Sunday afternoon in the suburbs. Yeah. It's quite a delightful sound in its own special Oh, look, way. it's fine. It's, yeah. I, I realised I think it's quite an Australian sound, actually. Yeah. You know what's made me, I mean, it's going to be, this is the, the movie reference of the castle is going to be completely irrelevant for the majority. For quite a lot of people. <laughs> for this, yes. The castle movie, for those of you appreciate it, that it can appreciate it, is, you know, House of Serenity. <laughs> Oh man! If it's not a, if it's not a whippersnipper, it's a leaf blower. Anyway, yeah. which begs the question: If you live in the mountains, why? Like, there's lots of leaves. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> I know. And I, yeah, I quite like sweeping too. I, I love, love sweeping. Yeah. Mm, mm. But you know, each to their own, I guess. Exactly. It's very each meditative to, to sweep yeah. and rake the leaves, which is not. Um, it's actually this time of year is my favourite. It's beautiful, isn't it? I think yeah. it's my favourite time of the year too. Yeah. And what about you guys? What's your sort of take on where you're at mm. in terms of feeling, you Good know, question. making decisions? Or we know that we – wait, this year has been big already because I feel like we've made a huge shift towards the life that we've been kind of focusing in on and zeroing in on by Ben um, choosing to become self-employed and starting our company – uh, so I think that that's been a huge step towards that for us, but we're not there yet. We're not exactly where we want to be. And what that's going to look like, we're not entirely sure yet. And I'm that this is where I'm really practicing <laughs> the the process of just being with my feelings and my uncertainty because... Hello, you know, feelings. Exactly. <laughs> They're making that? themselves very well known at the moment. You know, I think we we what we value is um, is is like freedom and adventure and family. You know, and not being weighed down by excess, be that excess stuff or excess commitments or excess you know um, agendas of other people. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know. I really don't know what it's got. We've got kind of two or three really strong options, most of which involve a change of scene um possibly to canada but i think what we would love to do is travel more at at least um you know in the the short to midterm but it's 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 an exciting thing yeah i mean it's funny because you know travel can be um the, the thing you know like a part of you can just keep wanting to travel but mm. also for some people travel can be a good time to think about where you want like because you, yes. you've got a bit more because you're breaking away from the your normal rhythms you are I think out it just encourage, and open exactly yeah, it encourages you to mm. think differently and to not be weighed down by or the day-to-day stuff necessarily you know so um, I also think we I think part of it is also um when we travel we're away from our sort of other influences mm-hmm. we tend to be um a little bit more in and around ourselves a bit more in a way that we don't often get to be in our normal lives which is part of the reason why we enjoy traveling the way that we do which is which we sort of spoke about last week on the hostful uh we like to 
kind of stop in one place for a bit and and live more like locals. Uh, and I think that gives us space, that constant touring, you know, moving to a new place every day and just constantly seeing the sights and ticking items off a, a list doesn't necessarily allow you the time and the space for. So um, that's one of the things that I love about travel. But, uh, oh. yeah, I don't long answer but i don't i don't don't know exactly what it's going to look like but i do feel like this year we've made a big leap towards that so i mean one of the options would be to go on a like a long-term trip and be able to work on the road and ben taking his taking that step has been like a big step towards that and then me running jackrabbit fm i can do that from anywhere so oh how exciting so many adventures afoot it is, yeah. It's just, and it's, I mean, I think the reason that it's not driving me completely mad is because I know that it's just a process. And I guess, which means that I am getting better at not focusing on like the future destination, but rather where we're at now, which is, that's actually nice to realize because sometimes I, I don't feel like I'm doing a great job at it, but I think I am getting better at least. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's all we can do, isn't it? Yeah. Get a little bit better each time. And so, learn to be aware. I think that's kind yeah, of one of the exactly. things that really underpinning has been underpinning everything we've spoken about really is like that awareness and paying attention to how we're feeling and, and, and why. I think that's um that's a big part of, of this kind of shift towards a slower, more intentional life is is being aware. Yeah, which is part of that discomfort that we mm-hmm. keep talking about as well, I think, because you, you kind of go, oh, it's not exactly pretty. <laughs> oh, and that's the thing, isn't it? When we, when we like paint ourselves these, these final destination pictures, they're always very idyllic and it's not necessarily the reality. Yeah, I mean, that's actually so interesting you say that because part of, you know, this process of, of like I started, you know, having that FOMO of you and your beautiful holiday and I was like going, well, here I am scanning documents, you know. But and then I really had to talk, had to have had a big talking to myself because I was like I'm here in this moment doing this thing and it is important and it's a you know, this is what I'm doing now and actually it is, you know, a wonderful thing in its own, in and of itself, in a way that I can actually be liberating myself of all this stuff, you know, to to move into a more into a freer space. But actually, the activity of itself, you know, of itself, you know, it actually isn't so bad, you know. Eventually, once I could, you know, because I have to say, filing and paperwork, not exactly my favourite hobby. But I realised by doing this, I was actually starting to free myself of it you know and that in itself is exciting you know so I was like you know actually if I if I can enjoy even the journey of scanning in documents it's a step you know it's It's like 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 we were talking about it's it's one of those steps towards you know the sculpture it's one of the cuts out of the marble it might not be the most exciting one but it's getting you there and you're not going to get to the marble inside and, you know, the sculpture unless you make all of those cuts, unless you take all of those steps. Uh, And I think that's like, that's really important and something that I could have done with the encouragement of way back in the day when I first started, because it just felt like a slog and it felt like, you know, I was just getting rid of one bag of crap out of the house and that was it. But looking back, 
every bag of crap that left the house was an important step, particularly when viewed, you know, over a period of a month or a year or five years. So I think that's um, I'm glad I'm glad that you defeated your FOMO and embraced <laughs> your scanning. <laughs> I took war on my FOMO. No, it was good. It was, yeah, it was. And it's actually amazing to, like, we're so lucky to mm-hmm. be in a position to be able to do that. It's I know, like, this, is, wow. this is the thing. I'm just sitting here listening. I don't want to sound like I'm being a privileged brat by, you know, overthinking these things or complaining because I'm not complaining. You know, the process is, it's the journey. It's the, the joy of it, particularly once you, you know, you can look back and say, I've made progress, you know, so... Yeah, it's it's striking that balance as well, isn't it, between kind of living the life of, um, you know, in alignment with, with what we value but also just being appreciative for what we have right now. Yeah, mm. and it is so – and it can be so easy to just get caught up, A, in the picture in front where we go, I want that and I haven't got it now, or B, going, I don't like what I – I don't like this scanning business you know and it's like well hang on a i have a scanner b i have a computer that i can scan this stuff on and c you know like this is amazing that you know i can actually because i don't like filing i can actually start to start and put in place a process that means i don't have to do it that's right have to and it's like wow that's really cool, you know, and because you've already done those steps, you are in a place of, you know, going on those adventures and things like that. But equally, you know, there's also times in, I'm pretty sure in your life that I'm, I'm exactly, you know, traipsing around can, can, Canadian <laughs> hillsides yodeling, yes. you know. Yeah, no one wants to hear me yodel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, I think the the uncomfortable reality is that we want to we want to look at other people's lives and and go well that just must be without without pain and without you know uh, difficult parts or without drudgery, and that's just not the case at all. The vast majority of us have many of those in every single day, um, you know. And I think it's yeah, it's finding that balance uh, between just in appreciating it. And then it's also just dealing with the criticism of choices as well. Like it was funny actually randomly um, I read Walden by Thoreau Mm -hmm. and and I loved it and it was really good. But there was a part of me that goes, he's a little bit miserable and he's quite critical of other people's choices, which I found quite difficult to read because it's something in myself that I don't particularly like where I can go, well, why would they make that decision? Blah, blah, blah. And it's something I'm really trying to kind of reset because everyone needs to make their own choices and, you know, and criticizing someone else or judging them or whatever is, is actually just a, you know, criticism of myself and it's not really useful at all. Mm. And, and so I kind of, I find it interesting that, you know, he took on this slow life, simple living, and yet he was <laughs> he was criticizing these other people's choices, you know. And I was like, wow, it's so interesting. Like we can go so far down a path, but yet we still look at what others are doing and go, wow, you know, mm-hmm. they're 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 a bit silly doing that. And it's just we humans are, you know, really interesting that worrying about what other people are doing and and not just saying, you know what, this is the right thing for me, that's the right thing for them at that time and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And somehow 
through you know because it's easy to get caught up in other people's criticism and then take it on board yeah. and then it's easy to get start to criticize and take that on board and you know but part of me I think you know if we crit- if I find myself criticizing someone else or judging them I often think I'm trying now to take on board what it is I am jealous of mm-hmm. or critical of and go why yeah like, turn, why? turn the gaze back on ourselves rather than yeah. Yeah, continue to to try and pick apart someone else's choices i'm rereading amy poehler's book, oh yeah yeah love, I yeah, love yeah uh, and she writes about um like motherhood and parenting and childbirth and all those things and she said you know i think we need to adopt this idea this motto of um that's great for you not right mm. for me. Yeah. And like it that just be a whole statement that that means exactly what it says. There is no judgment, there is no agenda. <laughs> like that's fantastic for you, not right for me right yes, now or it's at so all true. or whatever, you know, and I think because mm. I think we we hear different options and different choices that people make and so often we hear judgment when there isn't any as well. Yes, because we yeah, we we think we we're so used to or attuned to is hearing the criticism because we do it to ourselves and therefore yep. when we hear someone else saying it we're just assuming that it's a criticism that's right you know we we start out defensively rather than oh, maybe i'm more so generous. guilty of that yeah yeah, so, absolutely. yeah it's so interesting but yeah it's funny because i think um criticism you know we have to somehow fee- find especially when we're you know making choices like this where we, you know, choosing to go about life in a different way and we do have to face criticism and it's sort of unavoidable. Like, But we have to be able to, I think, the, I think I'm happiest when I can face someone's criticism and answer them straight. Yes. And that's when I feel happiest because I go, you know what, I can, because I think in a funny kind of way criticism, not that I... I endorse it or whatever but in a funny kind of way if it's done well can actually be an opportunity to see where we are mm-hmm. like if somebody criticizes me about something if I can actually in my mind answer that with clarity yes um I think right I'm on the right path yep. I think then that goes back to awareness you know and 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 taking the time to articulate, even just to ourselves, what it is we're doing and why we made those choices or why we're happy with this or, you know, why this works for us. Like we've, and I, I feel like over the past 12 months since I started this podcast, I've gotten much better at that actually because I will occasionally get like not a great review on iTunes or something like that. Uh, you know, recently someone wrote that, um, I, that we speak too slowly. Like, it's a slow living podcast. Like, come on. You know, and I was able, it was just after I think I'd read, reread Amy Poehler's book. And I'm like, that's fine for you. This is where I'm at and it might not be for you and that's okay. You know, and to be able to just stand there, like, you know, like, so in my head. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Just hilarious. Oh. Are you, because actually you should really talk very fast on this low living podcast, you know. Yeah, you know, what? and it was like it was kind of a meandering, unstructured conversation. I'm like, thank you. That's what it's meant to be. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's it's nice when we get to a point yes. where we're really confident in our choices and we can just stand there and say, okay, 
that's yep. your yep. thoughts and mine are different and this is why I'm doing it this way, you know. So I think that applies, that confidence applies. And I guess that, not not that one, I, I encourage criticism, but sometimes it can be a gift. Like it can be... Yes. A gift in that way. I usually won't recognize that for quite some time. But no, gosh, <laughs> I'll often be able to look back and say, no, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, thank of, you. Yeah, I think um, time is a good healer yes. for the criticism. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'd love to be far more noble. I mean, I, I'm talking in the, about this facing criticism like I'm, I'm but no, I, I think this is my an aspiration of mine that I would like to be able to face it in, in a, um, in a more constructive way. Yeah. But it's just that we all have to face criticism, especially when you are breaking out from a habit or a way of life. That or the you, norm. Or yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the norm yeah. for you that people have, have gotten used to and you kind of make a, a shift and people might be put out by that or they might question it. And it's nice to have the have had time to unpack that and have an articulate kind of reason or a you know, a, a value or something that you can respond with, even if you don't respond directly to them, but to yourself. So, but that's okay because these are my choices for these reasons or, you know, and I think that just comes with time and experience, you know, going way back to the beginning, the beginning of the conversation where it just, it's layers upon layers of experience and information and understanding and awareness. And that's what, Maybe that's what it is to get older as well. <laughs> yeah, it gives you us know? confidence, yeah. you know, and, and to, confidence to face criticism and confidence to make the decisions and confidence to move forward and feel. Mm. And, okay, maybe us moving to the country isn't a great idea. We don't know, but we just feel like where we are or where we have been has been wonderful and absolutely love it, but it's just not quite right for yep. us anymore. And we just maybe where we're going isn't quite right either, but, we kind of feel like we just have to try it mm-hmm. and just see. Uh, yeah, and I love that that um, that kind of letting go of a specific outcome and just trying and seeing, you know, and seeing how it, how it goes. I mean, I, I'm sure it'll be an incredibly wonderful change for you guys. I'm so excited to see what happens. Oh, uh, we're pretty excited. Oh, yeah, we're I bet. pretty excited. Oh, My lovely friend, thank you for talking lovely to me. Thank you and have a wonderful afternoon and I can't wait to hear about all your adventures. Oh, likewise. It's exciting times. Ciao. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.